the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimai, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. As the Holy Ghost gives me utterance. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Can we say that together? The just shall live by faith. Say it like this, I will live by faith. I am the just. I have been justified. I will live by faith. I have been justified. I must live by faith. Hallelujah. I will teach on the title Building a Faith Culture. How to build or develop a faith culture. Let's quickly pray. Holy Spirit, once again, we trust that your power and your grace will overshadow us and that you would overwhelm us and grant us insights and understanding into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Building a faith culture. One of the things that I kept emphasizing in last week's teaching was that the Christian does not have a faith possession problem. What that means is that every Christian has what the Bible refers to as the measure of faith according to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It says that God has dealt unto every man. The word every man there refers to the believer. The measure of faith. In other words, once you are in Christ, there is a measure of faith that is allocated to your heart. So you don't have a faith possession problem. But we kept saying that people may not have faith possession problems, but they may have faith continuity problems, faith comprehension problems. So beyond I have faith, we have to understand the subject. You have to be consistent with it. You have to deploy and express it if it's going to produce the desired result. I believe, like I said last week also, that the concept of faith, or the subject of faith rather, should be natural to us. For many of us, faith has not been maximized because it is not yet natural to us. It is something that we have to be wined to exercise. Something we have to be encouraged to exercise. Something we have to seemingly walk up. Meanwhile, it should be a natural lifestyle. Faith should be the culture of the Christian. It's called the believer. The Christian should be naturally a faith person. So, one of the reasons we have a lot of faith crisis and faith um, problems in our generation is because it is not yet a lifestyle. It is not yet a culture. And that's why I'm taking out time to teach on this issue of making a lifestyle out of your faith. For many of us, faith is only a Sunday, Sunday medicine. Or Wednesday, Wednesday medicine like we are having throughout the month of November. And probably after now, the concept of faith will no longer be interesting to you again. You probably will not even have a need for it or you won't think it is something that you should give your heart to. Now, if you keep using faith as an emergency dialing number, it is not going to be robust enough to do the kind of things that the patriarchs did with it. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, 
that some people used faith to stop the mouth of lions. Now, how do you think Daniel was able to operate in that realm of faith? You think he just picked up a book one day and began to read about faith? He lived all his life by faith. When he rejected the king's food, it was by faith. Everything that Daniel did was by faith. So, when the lion scenario came up also, faith was a natural thing. If faith is not natural to you, in the day when your mountain will show up, you will not be able to move it. You must say, I don't know why. The Bible says that if I speak to this mountain, it will move. But I've been speaking to it, it's not moving. That's because it's just an emergency number. You are using it like something that is used once in a while. You are using it like a special wedding garment. It should be a natural operation. It should be a natural influence. It should be a natural force. Look at the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus lived by faith. He lived in faith. He was not visiting faith. Faith is not a place to visit. Faith should not be a guest. Faith should be your permanent geographical location. Are you listening to me? It's a place where you dwell. Such that Jesus was awoken from sleep. He did not even rehearse. He did not even boot. They told him, the storm is about to destroy us. Won't you do something? He woke up and said, peace be still. You see, that default mode is the Christian life. To live by faith without a rehearsal. Many of us, if we confront any problem today, we have to rehearse. Because it's been a while we use our faith. Our faith is rusty. Some of us, once there's a consistent source of income, an uncle who is promising a particular figure, we forget about the faith subject. Faith now becomes very alien and very strange. And then suddenly, maybe that man dies, maybe that man is broke, maybe that man is angry with you, is keeping malice with you. You begin to now say, where's my faith? Where's my faith? It's not supposed to be like that. Jesus lived by faith all his life. At a point in Matthew 17, they came to ask him for tax money. And then it was just a natural response. He had a few conversations, first of all, establishing the fact that that was not even legitimate. You can see this in Matthew 17, somewhere in probably verse 21 thereabouts. And he told the, the apostle, he says, I mean, these guys are asking us for task, um, tax money, but we are not supposed to give them. But so that they will not be offended, go and pick up money from the mouth of the fish. Now, there was no prayer, there was no speaking in tongues, there was no confessing scripture. It was just a natural thing for Jesus. You could not catch Jesus in unbelief. You could not. So everything that met with him was confronted automatically by the force of it. Many of the miracles Jesus did were not planned for. He would just be taking a stroll on the streets. And somebody would run to him and say, my daughter is dying. Not even my daughter is sick. My daughter is dying. Come and pray. Now, Jesus will just turn and go there and heal the girl or raise her from the dead. Faith was natural. It did not need a sermon. It did not need a book. It didn't need a reminder. Now, you see, to get your faith to that point, faith cannot now be something used once in a while. It must be a regular, permanent, constant lifestyle. Once you wake up, faith begins to work. You sleep in it. Even in your dream, faith works. Are you listening to me? But once you now take it as something that we hear as a sermon, something that we hear once in a while and do once in a while, it is not going to be robust enough to give you what it actually can give you. Numbers chapter 14. The children of Israel were asked to go and spy the land. And the truth is that for 12 of them, only 2 of them have been living by faith. There are circumstances that will expose you. There are circumstances that will reveal what you have been living by. There are giants, there are situations that were exposed. 
what your principle of life has been. And it's coming. It's coming. Nobody could have separated Caleb and Joshua from the ten other spies. Itato. The Jews were the Jews. But there was a problem suddenly. And then we began to know that Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. Your different spirit will not be revealed until the day there will be certain things that will come your way. It will look like all of us are all Christians. <laughs> yes, all of us are all Christians. All of us are all Jews. But there are certain circumstances that will hit you. They will not confirm whether you have been living by faith or you have actually been deceiving yourself. So the test wise got to the land and said, The land is good, but the giants they are big and massive. We are like grasshoppers in their own eyes. We cannot take the land. And then Joshua was like, What are you talking about? How can you say we are like grasshoppers in their own eyes? These people are like bread. Now, they all saw the giants at the same time. How come two guys had a different report? Ten guys had a totally different report. Because their faith or how they have been living proud to that time was what determined how they responded to the problems. When problems show up, how you respond to it determines whether you are living by faith. And many times, you see, the, 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 the kind of thing we do is to... It's too eleventh hour to really cause a real operation of faith. It's too late. So a problem shows up, and then we begin to talk like the ten spies. Ah, we cannot take the land. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. It's better we have perished in the wilderness. Why don't you go back to Egypt? You see? And then God is wondering, but come on, I thought you were living by faith all this while. I thought you understood this principle. Faith is actually for problems. The problems should actually reveal that you have faith. In heaven, we will not need faith. Are you listening to me? We will not need faith in heaven. <laughs> faith is for this world. Every time there is a challenge in this world, it should be an opportunity to manifest your faith, to deploy your faith, to exercise your faith. But if faith is not natural to you, if it's not a natural lifestyle, if it's not a culture, a way of life, then it will not be robust enough to do what it needs to do. Please understand that the patriarchs of faith and our fathers of old were not strong in faith because they focused on faith per se. There's nothing like Abraham reading a book of faith. In fact, there is no instance where God seems to be teaching Abraham the subject of faith. Or where Abraham is doing Bible study on faith. What was the secret of Daniel's faith? Because many of us don't know how to get faith. Or don't know how to make faith robust. Or don't know how to make faith a culture. If you attend a faith conference and pay $10,000, I can tell you that that is not a guarantee that your faith will be robust. You cannot really operate in true faith by chasing faith. No. How was Abraham a man of faith? Was he chasing faith? Was he obsessed with faith? Was he trying to learn faith? What was the focus of Abraham that made him the father of faith? If we don't get it according to the pattern of the patriarchs, we will never get it. What was the focus of Abel that made him a man of faith? So much so that even after he died, his voice still speaks. Was he that Abel was always trying to learn about faith? Was that how Abel's faith was strong? How about Enoch? Was faith the focus of Enoch so that it was now taken, as it were, 
taken away from the earth. His work was, with God was so strong that God took him. Was it because he was focused on faith? There are many people who are focused on faith whose faith is still very wretched because they are not doing it the way the patriarchs did it. None of the patriarchs focused on faith. The apostles did not focus on faith. They didn't. Especially with respect to faith to get things. They focused on the lifestyle befitting of somebody who is a follower of God and faith now becomes a byproduct, a natural byproduct like that. Do you understand me? Nobody needed to lecture Moses about faith. You cannot be communicating with God, interacting with God consistently 40 days, 40 nights. Beholding his glory and you lack faith. Once you make God the focus, faith now becomes a Bible. It just flows naturally. These days we pray for faith, we teach about faith, we write books about faith, but you see that faith is weak because people do not understand that faith is just an element in the picture. When you focus on the picture, the holistic Christian life, then faith now begins to flow naturally. Most of our fathers, all they knew, for instance, was Bible reading and prayer. Bible reading and prayer. Our CSC fathers, the Babalalas of this generation, Bible reading and prayer. They did not attend any conference of faith, but their faith was crazy. Babalalas could believe God for multiplication of cement, supernatural multiplication of block. He did not, he, he probably did not even preach any message on faith. All he talked about was probably prayer, 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 prayer. And that faith just becomes a natural byproduct. Are you getting it? So, this teaching series is faith, yes. But don't allow faith distract you still from the real thing. Because some of you now can begin to now narrow your focus to the subject matter and you are trying to separate the subject from the whole concept. That's how people feel. So, please know that we, that's why we are teaching this subject holistically. We've established the foundations last week and showed you that fundamentally faith is towards a relationship with God, allegiance to God, I mean, um, submission to God, and all of that. Now, let me kick this emphasis of a faith culture by starting with the fact that the faith life is a strange life. The faith life is a strange life. When I say strange, with respect to this present world, faith is a strange concept. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith gives substance. Faith makes tangible things that are hoped for. Now, in a generation that is natural, that is run by physical laws, are we still together? This generation, physicality, naturality, tangibility is the law and the order. It is very strange to live by faith. That's why the gospel is mocked. That's why hell and heaven is ridiculed. So somebody says, why do you believe that you are going to heaven? And I say, because Jesus died for me. And the person asks you, were you there when Jesus died? And then you say, no. And then you say, you were not there and you believe. See, I say, you are stupid. Though. You see, faith is a strange thing. And that's why the first thing you will have to decide if you are going to live by faith, you are going to have the culture of faith, is that you cannot be compatible with this world. You know, for some of us, our greatest hurdle in the faith 
practice is that we want to be acceptable to this world. We want the world to like us. We want the world to understand you. <laughs> How can the world understand a man like Abraham? And they say, Abraham, we notice you have changed your name from Abraham to Abraham. Say, yes, God told me that I'm, I'm the father of many nations. Say, really? Say, How many child do you have now, Abraham? Abraham, I say, none. Or Daniel. You change name, you are still saying that you are father of many nations. Now, how does Abraham want to now have a worldly friend with that kind of thing he's saying? Abraham, where are you going? I'm going to a land where God will let us show me. God will let us show you. Yes. Ah, you are a fool. Oh. You, you took your wife. You took your servants. 350 servants. And you are going to a land where God will let us show you. Did you see the God? He said, no, I only heard his voice. Ah! Some of you have very close worldly friends because your faith life is poor. When your faith life is strong, some people will say, this person is mad. That cannot be his friend. One way to test your faith life is to see how much worldly people hang around you. Ah. If you are talking faith, living faith, people say it's crazy. See how he's talking, see what he's saying. I can't be a friend of a madman. If you want to walk by faith, it's strange. Why did the world not believe Noah when Noah was building the ark? Because it had never rained at that time. That was the first rain exercise. And then Noah said, God was going to send a rain. A rain. What is rain? And you are building this ark. People laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Some of the people that are laughing at our faith are the people who want to be our pals. We want them to like us. We want to like them. How can you walk by faith when the people of the world cannot cannot? make sense out of it. They feel your faith is stupidity. How are you telling us Noah that rain will fall and the rain, water from heaven, from the sky will be so much everybody will die. Noah, you say original. Yeah. But in the day that Noah built that ark in faith, he accepted all the mockery, all the ridicule and when the rain began to fall, Noah had the last laugh. Well, I'm sure he didn't laugh. I'm sure he wept. I said, Kai, I told you to go. Even me too, I have not seen rain before. But I believe the one who told me. Are you getting it? People will get to hell and say, Kai! Those who will wonder so. Hey! So this place is real. Hey! In a world of tangibility, I must see, I must touch, I must handle. Faith is a crazy concept. If you want to be liking the world, you want the world to love you, to appreciate you, you can't live by faith. How, how do you explain to Moses? Or how does Moses explain to some folks that he's going to Pharaoh to tell him to let God's people go? So they ask Moses, what are you going with? He said, a rod. A rod? Do you know who Pharaoh is? You should know now. Moses, you lived, you lived in Egypt for goodness sake. You know the rod of Pharaoh. How do you approach him with a stick? A full stick and say... My God says you should let my people go. And then Pharaoh will ask, Who is your God? And you say, I am that I am. It's too more. If you want to live by faith, be ready to be ridiculed. People will laugh at you and say, What? I finished school, finished my NYC, entered into full time ministry. A man of God, that man of God is the one who bought me this Bible. I've used it in the last 10 years. He said, Judah, what you are doing is not reasonable. 
How old are you? I said, 22. He said, at your age, I just began secondary school. Don't waste your life. Please! Don't waste your life. Get a master's. Get a job. We will appoint you after. Don't worry. This minister you will do it. I said, I thank you, sir. I appreciate your counsel. But I believe that this is what God will have me to. One man, he took interest in me. I think three hundred or He told me, once you finish school like this, you're ready to Just drop your CV. After six months of NYC, and I came back. He said, hey, you have come back. I said, I said yes. He said, hey, where did you see me? I said, don't worry. I said, what? I said, I'm in being ministry. I could see the anger in his eyes. Another wasted life, he must have thought. You want to walk in faith? You want the world to also like you and be rolling with you? You are not ready. You want to walk in How do you think the, the apostles must have felt following Jesus? They say, that's our God, we are following him. This same God say, I don't have a place to lay my head. Even foxes fare better than me. And they've left fishing business. Tax collector work and followed him. How do you think you must have felt for the apostles? Faith, will, you'll be ridiculed, you'll be jested. People will mock you, laugh at you. Now, if you cannot sustain that, you cannot begin the faith work. You cannot begin the faith life. You cannot begin the faith culture. So, a great endurance that we must really deal with is this crave to be accepted by the world. The world will not live by faith. They cannot understand faith. Faith for them is ridiculous. But if you want to live by faith, it is the cross you have to carry. So, overlook the ridicule of the world and insist on the culture of faith. Now, let's go on here. I have about four or five other things I want to say concerning developing a faith culture. A faith culture is centered around God. And as simple as that statement seems, this is the first place where the faith development is missed in our generation. Faith culture is founded, centered around God. Not around things, whether good things or beautiful things or pleasant things, around God. What is the implication of that statement? You cannot separate faith or the principles of faith from obeying God, serving God, pleasing God. You can't separate it. But more importantly in our generation, there is a deliberate attempt to remove God from the equation such that people are no longer reminded of God, people have no consciousness of God, and although they are chasing concepts like faith, so a Christian may actually have no value for God, no reverence of God, yet he's reading about faith. He's hearing someone's of faith. No. <laughs> no. That's the thing that Satan has used to deceive us. I can tell you many of the people that attend faith seminars, that pay money to attend teachings of apostles of faith, have no interest in God. God's will is not in their budget. God's kingdom is not their desire. Things are their focus. Personal pleasure is their focus. They have removed God from the equation, but they want to do faith. No! The faith culture is centered around God. God is the center of the faith culture. If you remove God from the faith conversation, what you have is just 
motivation and talk wishful thinking. Nothing. There's nothing. There's no substance to that. How many people attend faith seminars, faith teachings, because they love God's opinion? They want to hear this subject of God. How many people? Many people want to learn about faith just for their personal use, personal pleasure, personal advantage. That's why when you say things like faith begins from the will of God, they're wondering, what does that mean? If somebody is having faith that a woman that is married will divorce and marry her. Marry her. Because for them, faith, <laughs> faith is just about what can I get for myself? They have removed God from the equation. So look at what is happening in the world. We have structures that are designed to de-emphasize God. And for instance, in cable televisions, the word God is censored. Somebody may say, God damn it, and they will quiet the God there. They will mute it so that this generation will not hear anything God, except of course it's a religious station. God is now an offensive phrase. Now, what is happening is that there is a deliberate attempt to overthrow the faith of people and Satan simply does that by removing God. Satan is not going to overthrow faith by de-emphasizing faith. No. Satan is going to overthrow faith by de-emphasizing God. Do you understand me? People would turn away from the faith, not because faith someone will stop being preached, but because godliness concepts will stop being emphasized. Yeah. Men shall depart from the faith, giving it to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits turn people away, not from subjects of faith. And there are so many faith preachers today. There are so many faith sermons. There's so many faith conferences. But God is no longer as important as it used to be. And Satan does not mind. Let the faith conversation continue. As long as the value of God diminishes in the heart of the generation, their faith will never amount to anything. Never. Even in faith culture begins with making sure that your life, your life is about God. Many of the inventions and innovations of entertainment and sports are deliberately wired to steal your consciousness of God. And let me explain. If, for instance, you're a basketballer and every time you win a game, you remove your shirt and what is written there is something that has to do with Jesus or God, I can guarantee you that the mainstream media will take you as an enemy. Take you as an enemy. But if you wear an LGBT shirt... And say rainbow, rainbow brand. One love to the homosexuals, one love, one love. Love is the answer. They will say, wow, this is a very good guy. How do we promote him? There's a deliberate attempt to remove the thought and the consciousness of God. Even in your play, of course, and in your work. Try, go to work in the morning and flaunt God and see whether query letter will not be loading. But try and flaunt something else. Flaunt any other thing, aside from God. People will not mind. You do not offend as long as God is not involved. Once you bring God, your guys is saying, ah, what is the matter? We don't want to offend other religions. Uh, please, be careful. <laughs> so as long as God is silent and quieted, no, people, people can hear faith all they like. They won't shut them out of lions. Because evidently, the foundation 
It's not about God. Do you understand me tonight? So please, I want you to be very careful. Particularly with how you invest your time or what you do when your time is invested. If you spend, I can tell you this, if you spend six hours every week on your regular movie show, you are consistent and you do not do it deliberately. And I explain how you can do it deliberately. You are consistently training your soul to live in ungodliness, to live without the thoughts of God. Because most of those movies are in, invented and directed with, it, with an attempt, except of course the ones with Christian values, with an attempt to remove God from the picture. Superheroes are now homosexuals. Even the so-called, you know we have actor and booze, is that not so? The actors are now the bad guys. Before Bose is bad guy, actor is good guy. Now the actor now the bad the actor is the witch, so that you will fall in love with witchcraft because you are supporting the actor. Are you listening to me? Scarlet Witch is the hero. And she's gonna use all her demonic powers to save a town. And you want her to save a town, is that not so? So you support her. Hey, let her do something now. Let her invoke her demons. You can never see a prayerful superhero. Say his, 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 his superpower is that he will pray. Where you go see him? Namazayon film. Where you go see him? I mean, they watch Namazayon film. So you sit down watching six hours of that thing. They are training your soul to forget about the idea of God. Forget about the idea of God. And so your soul begins to be trained. Begins to be trained in that direction. And then you may now come on Sunday and we talk about faith. I say, let me use my faith, but. Your faith as well. Remember that faith comes from God. God dealt every man a measure of faith. God deals with every man, according to Romans 12, a measure of faith. So how do you remove God and say, you want to do faith? The more ungodly a generation is, the less faith they will express. Do you understand me? They may do anything. They may do confession. I confess. I decree. I decree. We will be laughing. <laughs> because he knows that he knows what he has done. Continue with the activities. As long as God is not priority, important, his place in your life has been reduced. Uh, what, what are you talking about? It? It is not, it's never going to arise the devil. So, even in your play and at your work, please keep the consciousness of God. Keep the consciousness. I can tell you see you think things are bad now. Some of you already have a clue. I'm telling you, in, in years, in years past, in years past, Sunday morning is Sunday morning. In the next fifty years, I'm telling you, Sunday morning <laughs> except you insist. Except you insist. Every all these financial structures are designed to remove God. They will tell you that religion is a waste of time. Remove God from your, from your soul. Recently, some Muslims were complaining about a particular bank who insisted, I think, I don't know if it's true, but I think it's true, that um, Friday, Jumat's time for prayer. What bank is that again now? Polaris. It's not going to be available. And Muslims were going to go and withdraw their, close their account. And I said, hey, Muslims, 
Can Christians ever? Can Christians ever? <sighs> Muslims, what faith do they know? What faith do they have? If you ask them about Muhammad, they say they are not going to show where he is. And they are going to go and close their accounts on the ground that they won't allow them to bow their head to a dead God. Can Christians ever say, eh? ah, look at Daniel. They say, we're not going to let anybody pray. Nobody can pray. Daniel say, eh? Nobody go pray. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to go and pray. And then he opened the door. <laughs> opened the window. And began to pray. You see, when you say, Daniel shuts the mouth of lions. Do you know how it happened? It was a faith culture. It was not like, suddenly you are an enemy man. You see, let's not use faith. Allegiance to God was unparalleled. Nobody could take it. No threats could stop it. Are you still listening to me? Yes, sir. So, building a faith culture, make sure that God is at the center of your life. Build your life around God. Then we can now talk about building a healthy faith culture. Second thing here. Your life's emphasis must be on the spiritual and eternal. That's how to build a strong faith culture. The emphasis of your life must be on the spiritual and eternal things. Hebrews chapter 11 and let's read from verse maybe 14 to 16 thereabouts. Hebrews 11 let's start from verse 13 because I think that emphasizes what I was saying when I was talking about faith being different from worldliness. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers, everybody says strangers, strangers, and pilgrims on the earth. So, if you want to be a faith warrior, it's one of the qualifications. You cannot be a faith warrior and not be a stranger and pilgrim. You cannot be blending with this world and be a faith warrior. You have to choose your part. Choose. Choose your part. If the world finds you normal, does not find you strange, you may say, I'm a faith man. I speak faith. I do faith. Satan will laugh. He will laugh. He will laugh. He will laugh. He will, laugh. He will roll on the floor. Because obviously you don't know what it is. So, stranger and pilgrim on the earth, verse 14, for, this, for they that say such things, you see, say such things, declare plainly that they seek a country. So, say such things refers to the speakings of their faith life that made them live as strangers and pilgrims. There's a way you live that communicates a message. Are you listening to me? Yes, and what is the message? And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, in other words, if they had focused on their natural physical, genealogical origination, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Verse 16. But now they desire a better country. That is an heavenly, you see, an heavenly country is the focus. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he had prepared for them a city. You see, you cannot focus on the present natural state and walk in faith. Your focus and emphasis must be on things eternal and spiritual. 
And I'm not talking about rejecting the fact that you are from Kaaba. Or Ofa. Or Ijebu. I'm saying that do you have priorities that can be referred to as spiritual priorities? Eternal priorities. What do you want in this life? What are you looking for in this life? You want to hammer? You want to blow? You want to succeed? Just like the other unbeliever. And then you say you are a man of faith. No. No. If what you are chasing is what the world is chasing, I can tell you that your faith is not robust. You see, this description that we read in Hebrews 11 verse 13 to 16, He's talking about the attitude of Abraham as a pilgrim and a stranger. So that his focus and emphasis in life was not about physical or material things. Abraham was rich. But that was not Abraham's pursuit. The Bible says he was looking forward to another city. An heavenly city. Now, what are you looking forward to? I know you are looking forward to all A's in your exam, which is a good thing. But if all you have as desires and pursuits and priorities are natural things, physical things, visible things, you cannot put a face culture like that. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 to 18. But now, okay, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Everybody say eternal. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The word look not is focus. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, if what you are focusing on are temporal things, visible things, your faith culture is poor. Jesus was not great in faith. By focusing on visible things, natural things, physical things. No. That's why you could look at 5,000 men, five loaves, two fishes, and say, It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. Ah. Five loaves, two fishes. And you say, It's enough. Yeah, it's enough. Because I'm seeing something beyond the physical. Do you understand me? How do you explain Jesus talking to the wind? So, the wind was boisterous, and then Jesus says, peace, be still. How do you talk to the wind? Does the wind have ears? How do you explain Jesus crossing a fig tree? Does fig trees have ears? Jesus lived all his life focusing on the spiritual, not on things that are sin. If I focus on a natural tree, it does not have ears. I cannot tell it, no one will eat from you again. It does not have ears now, so what's that? If I focus on the natural laws, how do I speak to malaria and say, malaria, I rebuke you? Doesn't make any meaning. How do I speak to cancer and say, cancer, die? Doesn't make any meaning. Now, but if you are not trained to focus on the invincible, and the first invisible you focus on is God. Are we still together? If you are not trained like that, you will see that um, it will be difficult when you want to deploy it. You'll be struggling. One of the reasons we do exercises like fasting and prayer is actually to train our souls on relating with the invincible. So I'm hungry, but I'm fasting. So I do not eat. I do not 
allow myself to be moved or led by my stomach emotions. I put my body under. I don't make my physical body the emphasis. That's the training of faith. It's one of the reasons why the apostles sometimes failed in faith. At the point they could not cast out the devil in Matthew 17. And then they asked Jesus, what is the problem? He says, unbelief. But this kind does not come out without fasting and prayer. So, fasting trains you to relate with the invincible. Fasting says, the pleasures of the flesh should not supersede the pleasures of the spirit. The burdens, the hunger of the stomach should not supersede the hunger of the spirit. Prayer says, I'm talking to a God that I've never seen. And I'm talking to him. I lift my hands to him. I kneel before him. I roll on the floor. I worship him. Have you seen him? No. But I'm praying to him. A training of faith. Are you getting it? So, if you're going to have a robust faith culture, your life must be focused on the spiritual and eternal. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30 to 33. Jesus speaking about what the Gentiles seek after. He was teaching his disciples not to focus on what the Gentiles focus on. What they will eat, what they will wear, what they will drink. 6.30 and verse 33. Okay? 29. Matthew chapter 6. Please. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much clothes you of little faith. Now notice the faith conversation. Therefore take no thought, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall wherewithal shall we be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first. What? Now, so the kingdom of God is the eternal thing that the believer sets his heart on. Sets his pursuit on that affirms that his faith is not little. Your faith is little if all you are chasing is what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Your faith is little. Jesus says, Oh, you have little faith. Your faith is not robust. Building a faith culture will now mean that your focus and emphasis is not about what I will eat, what I will wear, what I will drive. It's not about the kingdom. And although the kingdom is invincible, as it were. It is eternal. These other things may be visible, but they are temporal. And like we taught you last week, you cannot build your faith on something that is temporal. Something that is passing away. Alright. Number three. Is that not so? You can say number three or number four. Anyone. Depending on how you are counting. But I spoke about the fact that you cannot be compatible with the world. I spoke about making God the center of your life. I spoke about spiritual and eternal emphasis. And then I'm going to talk about having a Bible-based life. Bible-based life. We said last week that faith is built on the unchangeable nature of God's word. The immutability of scriptures. And the infallibility, of course, of scriptures. The fact that the scriptures cannot be broken is how we build our faith, is what we build our faith on. Now, many of us know the principle of using God's word in faith expressions. You know, I do say things like, the Bible said that, and so therefore, it shall be like this, because the Bible said that. 
However, once again, if you want to use the scriptures as an emergency weapon, your, your faith culture will not be robust that way. For many of us, we only look for scriptures when there's a problem and then you are trying to use faith. So you begin to read your Bible. You are looking for a scripture. Mm-mm. You don't obey the scripture. You don't value it. You have eaten three times in a day. You don't read once. To read one verse is a problem. But to eat Amala and Eba and Agbado is a constant thing. You cannot just go to a verse. Say, hey, look at this wonderful verse. I claim it. And begin to use it. And the next time you open your Bible is next year. It doesn't work like that. The Bible must also be your culture. You must have a biblical culture. You must have a Bible life like Matthew 4. 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when you are now quoting this scripture, listen to me. What do you think would have happened if the sons of Sceva quoted the scripture? Same thing. You mean the Bible will not work? Why? How can you say the sons of Sceva will quote scripture and the demons will still beat them black and blue or red and red and white? Because they themselves were not people of scriptures. How are you quoting a book you don't value? Somebody says, but the Bible says, you say, leave Bible, John. Then tomorrow, you say, I declare by the stripes. What are you talking about? I want them to declare them. The demon will go, look, you laugh. <laughs> you, don't, you see, on other matters, you don't want to hear the opinion of scripture. But you now go and gather scriptures on prosperity. What of scripture on sexual purity? You know, that one is saying, uh, that one is not saying. You don't like that one, Abi. What? The one of prosperity, you, you decree, you declare. <laughs> oh, my brother, you know, if you walk, you cannot despise the word and yet want the word to work for you. You can't. What's your attitude towards scripture? What was Jesus' attitude towards scripture when he quoted in Mark chapter 4? It is written, that's not tempt the Lord. That was the word himself speaking. The influence that must have been generated by that quotation was enough to throw Satan upside down. Because a man who was like the word, who was the word personified, was quoting that same word. So you know that Satan should quote scripture. So, quoting scripture, confessing scripture, must be on the foundation of valuing scripture. Value scripture. Many people disdain the Bible, but yet want to use the Bible for, for faith. Stand for faith. Oh yeah, let's, use, let's go and look for one scripture, one verse that we can use. Hey! <laughs> What's your attitude towards the Bible? Is it close to what it says in, much in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 3? His delight is upon the law of the Lord, upon it he meditates night and day. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the Lord should not depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it night and day. How often do you meditate? Now, meditation here doesn't just refer to a mechanical approach. It refers to the fact that you have read so much of it, you value it so much, you prioritize it so much, that it is always on your mind. 
I do not deliberately give myself to the discipline of thinking about my wife. Say, now nah, I want to be thinking about the girl. No. Because she's in my heart. Who else would I think about? Are you getting it? Because I value her so much, I cherish her so much. This is what the whole life is thinking about. So, the, the mechanical approach of, okay, now we want to get healing, so let's, let's go. It, no, it should work like that. Let's go and be meditating on the healing scriptures. No. The, what you should do is, first of all, now that you are not sick, treasure this thing. Treasure it. Let it be your life. Individual sickness comes knocking. Uh-huh. It will flow out of you. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It will flow. You won't be, you won't be looking for the scripture. It will come out of your mouth. Are you getting it? If your, your life's culture is not biblical, your faith culture will be poor. And you may try to use the scripture like an abacadabra thing. You look for one verse and be saying it. It will not generate the desired impact. I told you the fathers of faith, faith was not their focus. Faith was a byproduct of their Christian life. It was a natural byproduct. You take God seriously. You take God's word seriously. You take prayer seriously. Ah, faith will flow. Ah, it's faith, faith will flow. Faith will flow. Audacity will come. You won't be looking for audacity, looking for boldness in the face of persecution. It will come. Peter did not rehearse when he spoke to the Sahitians. We ought rather to obey God rather than man. It was not something you react. It flows out of your belly. It just flows. Because you value the scripture over the opinions of men. to disobey Bible instructions and expect to build your faith on the same Bible is to create a contradiction in the realm of your soul that will nullify the forces of faith. If you disobey the Bible as an instruction and yet attempt to exercise your soul or your heart, heart actually, your heart in the faith in those scriptures, there will be a contradiction in the environment of your heart. There will be a contradiction. So the Bible must become the energy that drives your life. Everything. You see, to have a Bible culture is that everything you do is traced to something that the Bible teaches. Why are you not doing this thing? Well, I've read in a particular verse that this is not too appropriate, so I'm not doing it. Why did you stop doing this? Well, I was listening to a Bible seminar last week and then the preacher said something in this direction. So I stopped doing it. Let the Bible power your life. Now, when that is your lifestyle, when you quote the scriptures, ah, the energy it will generate, when you quote the scripture to the devil, quote the scripture to circumstances, build your life on God's word. That Christians still say, let's leave Bible aside. And those Christians have faith sermons on their phone. It shows you that. They don't, get the, they don't get the issue. Number five. Let's also talk about having an understanding of the kingdom. This is also very essential to building a faith culture. Remember that things like the kingdom are more like the general subjects, general concepts. And faith is just a byproduct of this holistic picture. So understanding the kingdom of God is also 
crucial to building a vibrant faith culture. Now, one instance comes to my mind in scriptures, Matthew chapter 8 here. A centurion was in need of um, Jesus' miraculous power. And then he approached Jesus, or rather they approached Jesus on his behalf. And then when he met Jesus, he said, Jesus, don't come to my house. Could necessarily speak a word. When you speak a word, that's as good as coming to my house. Now, he, of course, after that, Jesus said, I have not found so great faith in Israel. Jesus was very impressed by that man's demonstration of faith. Are we still together? Yes, However, this man's demonstration of faith was because of his understanding of kingdom principles. So he said to Jesus, I'm also like you. I have subjects under me. I don't have to visit them before they obey me. If I say to one, come, he will come. If I say to another, go, he will go. His understanding of the, how the kingdom operates facilitated his understanding of faith and facilitated his expression of faith. Do you understand this? So if you don't know and understand kingdom principles or if you break kingdom principles, your faith culture will not be robust also. In this case, it was a kingdom principle of submission to authority. This man said, I have soldiers under me. If I say to one, go, they go. If I say to one, come, he comes. And it's just words. I just use words. I don't use force. I just use words. So you to Jesus, just speak a word. And I know that health hears you. Sickness hears you. Human bodies hears you. Now, his understanding of how things move, the motions of the kingdom was vital to expressing faith. James of the five also speaks about if any man is sick, let him call the elders and let them anoint him over with or anoint him with oil, and then the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Once again, understanding the principle of authority. Now, of course, Satan is very, very smart, and I said one of the things he's doing actively is to destroy the faith of many. That's what we have to do with Peter, and he doesn't do this by attacking faith per se. He does this by attacking principles, for instance, such as authority. Are you listening to me? Some of you. You see, the Bible says that by faith, Jacob, no, Isaac blessed Jacob by faith. Are you getting it? Some of you don't understand the principle of going to your physical father and say, buy me a bedroom for me. Kneeling down and say, buy me, pray for me. Because your, 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 your baba is not on Instagram. It's not a God's general. So what can his prayers do, Abi? By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. But it's also referring to a, a, a covenant or a structure of how power is dispensed in the order of authority. So, this man recognized how authority works. He understood the chain of authority. So, if Satan wants to attack your faith, he can encourage you in rebellion. He will, he will continue confessing, continue decreeing and declaring. 
But it will, it will raise up a seed of rebellion in your a seed of pride in your soul. And every time you try to exercise faith, it will be nullified. Because you have not built a culture that can give full expression to that faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, faith culture involves kingdom culture. Understanding the place of... Because faith is, is also a measure of force. Especially when we are using it against the wiles of the devil. We can express faith to quench the wiles of Satan. And Satan knows that he may never be able to stop you from talking. From decreeing and declaring. But if he can teach you a counterculture, a culture of rebellion, a culture of independence, he knows your faith will not be fruitful. So faith does not work well in the realms of rebellion outside kingdom. It's like Adam <laughs> eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and now attempting to bind Satan. Once he broke that law, once he rebelled against the teaching of the kingdom, he might exercise faith but it will be weak. It will be impotent. If you don't understand the working principles of God's kingdom, you will not be able to have a robust faith culture. If I'm prophesying to you, okay, let's use words. Now, words are very important in the kingdom of God. Matthew 13 refers to the seed as the word of God in God's kingdom. Are we still together? And let's say you don't understand or you refuse to learn because for some of you it's not like you have not been taught. You refuse, you are stubborn. We say don't talk like this as a Christian. This don't you cannot be talking like this. You say now cruise with a catch. You're stubborn. We say you'll be ensnared by the words of your mouth according to scripture. You say, ah uh-uh. We say I talk now. So if you do not value the place of words because you don't want to understand that in this kingdom, words are capital to do business. One of the things that you will do is that you will despise prophecy. You will despise prophecy. So man of God can look at you and say, next level is happening to you. And you say, hmm. You will despise prophecy. Now, what you should have done is to say, glory to God, I receive. Amen. And then, your faith will give substance to the things you have been open for. But now, because of this past prophecy, which was going to be the instrument that God will use to better your life, you will now go back home and say, I decree and declare, next level. And God will say, what is your problem? But it's because you don't understand the principle of the words of a messenger. You don't understand that. Or you say things like, it's word and my word are still the same. <laughs> you don't understand? So imagine that centurion say, Me too, I'm a commander. Sickness! Go! I don't need Jesus. Many of the reasons why faith fails is because people don't understand kingdom. Or they try to use faith outside the scope of kingdom. Are you listening to me? If you do not, for instance, respect the teachings of God about words. You despise prophecy. You disdain concepts such as 
affirming certain things over your life, you may never demand a blessing. Ah! The patriarchs knew this thing. Their father wants to die. You go and say, bless me. Don't go like this. This generation talks about people. We don't understand this concept. When life did you go to, to your parents and say, bless me, mommy? You say, you don't have money to speak over me. Just say something over me. You don't understand. You may say, I know faith. I'm saying faith. I'm confessing faith. But your kingdom culture is poor. So your faith culture is also poor. Understanding the kingdom, understanding the will of God, all these are all part of kingdom concepts. The will of the king, what the king wants. So many believers will never really live in the abundance that God designed for them if they believe that poverty is the will of God for them. As long as that is their belief system. If you want to have an idea what the will of God is, just remember that in heaven some things don't exist. There's no poverty in heaven. Are you listening to me? There's no sickness in heaven. Your will be done as it is in heaven. That's the clue. Just, just, just know what's in heaven. But when you are engrossed with the kingdom of this world, you won't get it. Understand God's kingdom. Understand God's kingdom. Know the principles, know the value system of God's kingdom. Know the priority in God's kingdom, of course. Then that way, faith will be a natural thing. Let me do one more point here, I think. Faith relationships, very crucial also to building a faith culture. This is going to be the last point. Faith relationships. Now, I didn't say this in the beginning, but culture will involve things like language, things like food. What else about culture? I can't hear. Speak loud. Dressing. Okay. So often culture is visible. We can see an outside man and recognize an outside man. Even if he's dressed like an evil man. Once he begins to say, your father, your father. From I know, okay, this is an outside man. There's a story in Chronicles, I think, where they were trying to ambush some people. And he said, say, Shilolets. Shilolets or Shilobet or something like that. Yes. I could not say Shilolets. They had Oshogo tongue. Silhouette, silhouette. Yeah, I want you, I want you. I want. <laughs> so, culture is it's often something you can relate with. Are we still together? Yes, sir. Now, your faith culture is expressed in having faith relationships. Your inner circle must be people of faith. If not, your faith culture will not be robust. Iron sharpened iron, so does the man is. A man's countenance is sharpened by his friend. Uh, of course, we trust that our faith will be so robust that other people will glean from our faith. But there are times when your faith may be under attack. You need to glean from other people's faith. If you don't have a company of faith, your faith culture will be poor. Are you listening to me? That's why... You see, for many believers, the frustration is that what pastor is teaching us is not working. What pastor is teaching us is not working. And when an angel will now explain to them the mystery, the issue is that for three hours they sat down on that pastor. 
On Monday morning, they sat down with an unbeliever friend, gisted, gisted, gisted. What was talking about fear, anxiety, worry, and everything pastors said about faith was lost. On Tuesday, they began to check people's WhatsApp status. All was inspired was fear and terror. On Wednesday, they did the same thing, but came to church in the evening for one hour, 30 minutes. And go back to it on Thursday, on Friday, and come back again on Sunday, and say, it's not working. The believer does not have a faith possession problem. We have a faith consistency problem. A faith consistency problem. I've told about Smithwigus. He, he will not allow newspaper into his house. You want to enter Smith's house, you drop the newspaper at the door. You know, he said, and the reason why he said, well, because there is no good news on the newspaper. It's only bad news that sells. People are looking for bad things to say so that they can sell. They got, you think gossip blogs will say good things? In those days, the newspaper we used to read. Ah, newspapers of lamentation. There used to be one. I don't, does some newspaper still exist? If you knew when some newspaper was some newspaper. The headline was always very, so toxic. 48 people crashed in a lagoon yesterday in, in a village. They will mention the village. Want, is this Nigeria? They will go and they will, they will, how did they even get the news? They will go and look for the bad news where it is and put it on the headline. Because that's what sells. Are you listening to me? How do you want to be in a faith culture when all you do is receive three hours of faith teaching and then go back to 30 hours of fear teaching? are your friends? What do you just do it? If something bad ever happens to you, the first five best friends of yours, what will they say? What will they say? Hey, my brother! That's all destiny debut. Destiny what? <laughs> destiny! <laughs> now you got us friend. Destiny, brother Destiny. Do you have anybody who say, oh, wait on God? When they told Daniel that they were going to cut off all the heads of the wise men of Babylon, Daniel went to his friends. He said, Now, what did King talk about this? But my brothers, how you see him? They said, Eh? Not because they showed dream. Not because they revealed dream. We go pray, Jerry. A faith company. A faith company. You cannot develop a healthy faith lifestyle, a healthy faith culture, when your company are full of. Fear and terror and panic. Small problem you tell them. Say, hey, 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 and then that's the day pastor's number will not be going through. If, if the apostles were safe, not mysticism because of their faith, but because they surrounded themselves with Jesus, a man of it. In the day when the storm came, they disturbed Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, as also cannot perish here. I can imagine Thomas and Judas alone in that boat. <laughs> That's the end. Say, <laughs> Philip, Thomas, and Judas. Three of them. They were also apostles. <laughs> Interesting. When you get that. Do you know Jesus had a faith circle 
There were miracles he did not do except in the presence of Peter, James, and John. He will carry only three of them and say, Philip, stay there. Philip, don't come here. Stay there. <laughs> Thomas, stay there. Peter, come, come, let's pray. You must have a faith circle. Are you getting me? Faith culture, it will reflect in your relationship. Who are your friends? Who do you tell your problems to? Who do you discuss your challenges with? Are there people who still this small? Some of you, your faith is 1%. Battery, battery is 1%. The person where you they call now could turn out to minus 4. <laughs> but as a moment, when you talk to them, your faith will go boost like this. This is not as bad as I thought. It's not as bad as I thought. There's still hope from you. Who is your faith company? Sometimes there will be times where your faith may be under attack. But at that time, make sure there's a company around your life that can jack you back to faith. You may not always be 99% battery on faith. You may not always be. Stand to your feet. Pray in the Spirit. We have some time. Spray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Leketo brasti kanararabashtas. Lekete katakaramanoste fruste kete kumrandi kete sudushan. Dikata kata kata radabadaste greke dem broste kata yalabadamash. Maki keke keke kobata kete greke te kumrandi yalabadamash. So what's a healthy face culture? Lekrista kandanga nanamu. Pray, pray, pray. I told you our fathers only knew how to pray, but their faith was strong. Prayer will produce faith. I'm telling you. Prayer will produce faith. Just pray, just pray. Even if you don't understand, pray, pray. Katande korobadaste. Naroste kete krakatayalabadas. Don't wait for challenges when you pray. Pray now, pray now. Pray now, build your faith up. Jesus told Peter, I have prayed for you. That's your faith will not fail. That's your faith will not fail. That's your faith will not fail. Makate lekete kushta tarabalash. Full of faith. Hallelujah! I put my faith in Jesus. 
my anchor to the my hope and man foundation in that let I put my faith I put my faith blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. 
Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.